0: Hey, deserving listeners, I got a call recently from a podcast host or a radio show host who wanted to talk with me about marital conflict, conflict in couples, and the Gottman Four Horsemen. And so they sent me the audio just now, and so I thought I would just play that for you for your um, enjoyment. So let's get to that. The person who interviewed me her name is Leslie Doris Doris, and her show is called happily ever after is just the beginning so let's go to that right now
1: you know as I've said many times before most relationships don't end with a bang they're actually victims of what I call death by a thousand cuts Another analogy that I also use is the frog in the boiling water. That if you throw a frog into a pot of boiling water, the theory is it will jump out immediately. But if you put it into a cooler water and gradually raise the temperature, the frog isn't even aware of the change and it'll eventually die. And this is actually what really happens in relationships that things start to go a little off track and we don't really notice until finally they're so off track that somebody just says, done. So the question becomes, what signs of stress are actually happening in your relationship that you might not be aware of? And what toll is this incremental negative change taking on it? And better yet, is there anything you can do about it? So my guest, Professor of Couples and Family Therapy at Antioch University in Washington State and host of the Psychology in Seattle podcast, Kirk Honda, is going to help answer these questions. So, Kirk, thank you so much for being on the show because I know this happens all the time. People go, well, things are okay and then things aren't okay and then suddenly somebody goes, yeah, I'm done. So, <laughs> Sure, what? yeah. You know, what's that process? Because I, know people, I, I don't know about you, but I always get people, and I always love this question what's the secret to a happy relationship? And it's like, well, okay, don't mess up is one of the secrets. But in a recent piece that you wrote at Livestrong.com, you actually highlighted some of the biggest signs of trouble. And so I really wanted to talk about some of them, because I actually talk about John Gottman's The Four Horsemen on the show, but I'm not sure I've ever really fully explained. And you specifically talk about his Four Horsemen. So what are they, and why do they cause so much trouble?
0: (laughs) Sure, yeah. So there's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And criticism has been found scientifically by John Gottman and his research team to be associated with um, shorter lifespan of of a relationship and of marriage. So the the greater um, amount of criticism, the shorter the relationship will be. And that uh, criticism is pretty self-explanatory. So things like, you you never listen to me, or, Uh, or you're too sensitive, you know, these are these are or why criticisms. don't you do
1: it this way right <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's it's basically a message of there's something wrong with you it's not it's not that there's something wrong with your behavior or there's or i wish you would do something differently it's it's an attack on the person's character and so um, so that tends to be a behavior that can result in relationships taking a downturn. Yeah, because um,
1: most people don't most people don't like that.
0: Right, it's very hurtful, um, and it actually can lead to it, if, it. It hurts both people. It hurts the person who's being criticized, but it also hurts the person who's saying the criticism because it leads to the second one, which is contempt. So the okay. the more criticism you have in your mind, and and the more negativity you have toward your spouse, your partner, the more it, opportunity there is for contempt and resentment to build up in your mind. You know, you you build this story or this narrative about your partner that is negative. You know, mm-hmm. and it's hard to put a behavior on this one because it's more of a vibe that you get from somebody when you're with them. You just get the sense that they don't, they have a general story in their mind about you that, that says that you're, a very difficult person to be with or that you're very withholding or very cold or you're very angry or you're very you're just a bad person and they they think that you know
1: it sounds a little bit like what happens with teenagers when it's like when they sigh and roll their eyes it's like oh you you are like the stupidest human being on the face of the planet it's like how can you be like so obtuse about life that kind of thing right
0: Exactly. Yeah. Rolling of the eyes is a good indication of that because it it basically, because the first time you're annoyed with somebody, you're just like, oh, I'm being annoyed by this. But, you know, the hundred millionth time you're annoyed with someone, you you tend to have a different reaction that conveys contempt and and resentment. So, so that's the second one. The third one is defensiveness. Again, self-explanatory, not listening, but uh, all as and in my therapy office with my couples, I, I see this a lot in the beginning phase of therapy, where as one person is talking, the other person is obviously uh, trying to come up with an argument against what that person is saying. Um, they're not—they're not really listening. They're just—they're just listening for things they can attack. For instance, let's say you have a wife who wants to ask her husband to turn off the lights when he leaves the room you know Um, and often marital conflict and and divorce can begin with stuff like this because
1: i know yeah yeah I tell people it's not about the lights in the kitchen but okay
0: right it's about the attachment and and the way you communicate it and so she might Mm -hmm. say something like um you know hey could you please turn off the lights when you leave the living room and instead of saying something like, um, oh, OK, no prob or or, oh, I, you yeah, know, I must have not seen that. No problem. I'll do that. Instead of saying something like that, he might say something like, well, you leave the lights on all the time, too. You know, it's that <laughs> kind of defensive statement that can erode the uh, love and and attachment in a relationship. It's essentially that raising of the uh, boiling water with the frog in it as you referred to uh-huh. earlier every time you do it you're just slowly raising you know that temperature right
1: that little bit that temperature's oh it's getting a little warm in here so and yeah. the last one is an interesting one and in, in, and that's stonewalling what is what is stonewalling
0: so again the the word stonewalling provides a metaphor it's you know you're you're putting up a wall you're you're withdrawing or you're passive aggressively quiet mm-hmm. um you know I think everyone has been there, everyone's been in all these you know i I would like <laughs> to imagine <laughs> and and so, um, you know you're upset and you don't really know what to do, and so you just you're just quiet and you and your your partner might be like, "Is something wrong? you know are you okay um that's a very common example of stonewalling, but there are more overt ways like I, you know, like just flat out telling your spouse, I'm not going to talk to you. We're done. And I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you and I don't want to talk about this and I don't want to talk with you. And, um, it's sort of a last resort for people and, and it can be very, uh, damaging to a relationship as you can imagine
1: well and and I think it 's really important because one of the dynamics that i 've noticed in in people not just not just in couples but in people is that stonewalling I think can sometimes be assumed, but it 's not really happening because I know this is the case um, in my marriage is that my husband is what I call a digester. He has to take in information and then kind of let it percolate through. He actually has to think about stuff before we can engage in a conversation. And that can look like stonewalling, but that's not really what he's doing. And I happen to be somebody who thinks things through pretty quickly. And so we could be in a real bad shape if I didn't give him the time to kind of okay. And and that's and taking the time to process something I think is is different from stonewalling where somebody goes, "Yeah, I'm just not even going to talk to you about this anytime anywhere no matter how long you you wait and let me process, right?
0: Absolutely. It's a matter of understanding each other and a matter of communicating that and a matter of giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, Um, learning through experience with him in that way. So you throw something out and he's quiet and um, your impulse is to be hurt by that and then to interpret that as um, as him stonewalling and being a jerk on purpose. But. Mm -hmm but then you have to try to override that with um <laughs> your your higher mind by telling yourself look based on past experience he just has a different way of of talking about this sort of thing and he's not um he's not upset at me he's just he's he's taking the time to think about this you know but it's also incumbent on him to communicate and say like Look, I'm being quiet, not because I'm upset, but because I'm thinking. So just give me a second. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. everyone has to participate in that.
1: Right, which is, you know, again, which is one of the challenges of being in a relationship is kind of to learn the rhythms of each other. Um, And part of that is this communication. So, you know, we talk about this, and I'm going back to the first one, criticism, because people say well well what am i supposed to do if i don't like what my partner is doing how can how can i how can i not criticize you know? <laughs> and so what's your answer to that how does somebody not you know if something's bothering them like the lights being left on in the you know when when somebody leaves the room is there a way to not criticize
0: absolutely it, the the word I like to use in therapy is the word request. Uh, I, I say, mm-hmm. I say, I say. It sounds like you have a request. Is that what I'm hearing? And they'll, they'll be like, Yeah, I, I have a request that they turn the lights on. So that's a very different word than criticize. It's, mm-hmm. it's. You're asking someone to. And, and often, you know, depending on the the families we come from when we grow up, we ha- we might have different. Uh, sort of notions about how to communicate about these things and so if you you grew up in a family that communicated through criticism because that's sort of implied if you say to someone like (laughs) <laughs> um, you always leave the lights on. There's a request that's implied in there, but mm-hmm. it's not explicit, right? And so it's implied. I want you to turn the lights off, but it come, but it carries a cost because there's this there's this hurtful statement within it. Um, and people, it's vulnerable to make a request. It's uh, mm-hmm. you're taking a risk. You're saying. Can you please turn off the lights? Because the, by implication, the other person could say, no, I don't want to. And so we all worry about that rejection. And so we'd rather just blast someone with our anger than to allow, open ourselves up to rejection. And so uh, that's, that's what I coach people to do is to ask,
1: ask in a requesting tone. Right. Which, which, you know, and, and one of the things that I tell people because of this, you know, it can be this criticism you know, it's kind of like none, these these aren't necessarily separate behaviors. You know, there's a criticism, then there's a defensiveness, I don't do that, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then that can turn into stonewalling because I feel like I can never win, and then that just leads to contempt. So all of these can be, you know, it's like the big Gordian knot that every all of these are connected, and where do we start pulling the string? And, you know, one of the things I tell people is when they're starting a conversation, try not to use the word you in the first three words of the sentence, you know, unless it's, I love you, you're wonderful, I'm glad you're in my life, then you can use you all you want, but, you know, we have this habit of, you did this, or why did you, and there's criticism, and almost always the other person is going to be defensive, no, I didn't, or, you know, well, you do it too kind of thing, and then we're off to the races
0: yeah exactly the the uh you know we have i statements and, and which are the opposite, you know which are the recommended the the way I like to teach it to couples is to say it's a matter of how the other person receives it, not how you communicate it so it if you man if you if you say the word you a lot and in, in the way that you uh communicate your request. But the other person takes it well, then you guessed right, okay. you know so mm-hmm. yeah. so it's that's a matter of mind. empathy, yeah, it's because you can use an "I" statement and really hurt someone 's feelings, you know so it, it it's all that so i try to I try to tell people, look you, you have to concentrate on two things, one is is your needs, which are important, so if you know if, if mm-hmm. you have a need that you want to communicate, then that's important, and that's probably very present for you. You probably are very aware of that need. Well, the second thing you need to pay attention to is the other person's feelings because in order for you to get your need met, The other person has to feel good about how you're asking for it, you know. If I walk up to the McDonald's cashier and say, give me a Big Mac and slap them across the face, (laughs) I don't think they're going to be very open to giving me that Big Mac, right?
1: Right. And they Um, actually might just call the police, but that's okay. Right. Yeah.
0: Right but if i say can i please have a big back you know <laughs> then that's a different mm-hmm. thing and so so we all know what that's like outside of our marriages but somehow in marriages we we really want the other person to essentially uh, make up the difference for us you know they we we don't want to have to be vulnerable because um when we're hurt by our spouse it's it's very scary to us so so things like Absolutely. um just having empathy, you know, just, just as you have this emerging thought in your mind, like I want my spouse to listen more. I want my spouse to be on time. I want my spouse to help me with the kids more. I want my, you know, you have this emerging need. Um, Mm -hmm. and then you have to think, okay, I've, I've got that down. I know what I want, which is great. How can I communicate it in a way that the other person will hear and not freak out? You know, so <laughs> so that's well, that's and, the key.
1: Well, and on some cases, we can't we we can't always predict whether or not our partner is going to freak out, and I think this is when we get into, and, and this may be bordering on on the contempt. Um, horseman, in the fact that you know, people get into an argument about tone, well, you said it this way no i didn 't you know and, and, and I remember having a conversation with one of my clients, and what she said to him, I mean, I was there to hear it, and I said, and what she said to him there was It was very difficult to see how that could be misinterpreted, but he was misinterpreting it. And so I had to say to her, I said, I get that this is what you're saying, but it's not what he's hearing. So we've got to back up and figure out where that disconnect is, because they just kept going around and around in a circle about this. And she goes, I don't know how else to say this. And I'm like, I got that. But he's hearing something completely different from what it is you're trying to say. Right. Which can be, which can really, which can really like, it's like, but I don't know how else to say it. I mean, and it's sort of like, you know, and I've heard people with the I statements too. And it's like, okay, that's, that's a you statement attack all dressed up in the, in I statement clothing. It's like, that was not an I statement. (laughs) That was, you know, and, and it, what makes this so hard? What makes, what makes not bringing these horsemen in so challenging, especially in a marriage?
0: Well, it all has to do with h- human nature of avoiding pain and of um, not wanting to be scared, essentially. And mm, we all, okay.
1: <clears throat> when
0: when we were four and seven and ten, we were, you know, children, and and we would ask for things, or we would do things, or we would want things. And things didn't always go our way, you know. Just by the nature of growing up, if if you've mm-hmm. you know if you hang around with kids long enough, you know that they have a lot of impulses that don't make any sense. <laughs> and so,
1: and and so, we don't want them acting on. By the way, too, yeah.
0: Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of redirecting of kids, and there's a lot of denying kids things that they want. You know, they want ice mm-hmm. cream every day. They want they want to take their friends' toys. They want to they want to hit their brother over the head with a bat you know like (laughs) it's it's all stuff that they have that they have so they have a wish they have a request you know like Mm -hmm. mommy I have a request can I can I hit older brother over the head with a bat and then you know and then they're (laughs) shut down and not only are they shut down in terms of just rejected like no you can't do that but they're often shamed for it like what's wrong with you that you want to hit your brother over the head and so we all have that legacy, we were all that kid who wanted to hit our brother over the head with a bat and were denied that. And so as an adult, when whenever we have a need, there's this worry that we're going to be rejected and shamed. And mm-hmm. so it's so much easier to preempt that fear uh, and that uh-huh. hurt by attacking, you know, by by criticizing and and yelling, you know, or giving the vibe that that we're upset at the person. Um, It's much more mature, shall I say, and more vulnerable to say something like, um, you know, I I don't know if this is me. So that's another thing is you have to take responsibility whenever you do these things. You can't, Uh you know, like with the light thing, let's just stick to that easy one. You know, you you don't say something like, you, you don't say something like, um, you have a problem with turning off the lights, and so therefore you need to turn off lights. You know, it's more like, you, even though you might think that, <laughs> uh, it, it, outwardly you say, I have a thing about lights. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I got that from my dad, or maybe I'm just a little worried about the, the electricity bill. I don't know. But I have a thing about lights. Now, when you open up the conversation like that, that engages your spouse's empathy for you because your spouse presumably mm-hmm. loves you right and doesn't want you to be in pain and so when you say I'm suffering right now because of this light thing and then he might even just fill in the blanks and go like oh did I not turn off the lights I'm sorry I'll turn off the lights you know it's, mm-hmm. it you're, you're taking responsibility you're not blaming him you're saying this is it's all on me. Yeah. Even this though you some, might be thinking
1: I have right this is something I have an issue with and I'd really love your help with it.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're you're taking responsibility and really that's the mature thing you do. And it works on kids too, you know. You're just like, so I really have a thing about toys being out. Could you help me put the toys back? You know, people care about other human beings and if you engage that system it's so much more smoother so you got to start with that and then you and then you just say so I just have a little request and so you you always have to make it smaller because the receiver will always blow it up in their mind because they're sensitive to rejection because they were criticized as kids too and so you always have to say look it's just a tiny little request no big deal but I would love it if you turn off the lights, you know, it would just really right. make me much more relaxed,
1: you know, N- you know, well, and yeah, you really it. it's, it's- it's turning it it's trying to turn it into a win-win which i know is a little bit difficult and we're going to get to that in in just a minute but i need to remind people that this is happily ever after is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net i'm Leslie Doris and i'm talking with professor of couples and family therapy and podcast host Kirk Honda about signs you should be on the lookout for that your relationship might be heading for trouble and if you know that they're present in your relationship, I encourage you to take immediate action. Do not wait. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Take action now. You can give me a call at area code 919 924 or you can shoot me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at FoundationsCoachingNC.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, CoachingNC.com, and take advantage of my free, no obligation, path to a fantastic marriage breakthrough strategy session, um, because These behaviors, if you leave them, are going to do serious damage. That's why they're called the four horsemen. (laughs) So back to talking about those and going back to what you were saying, Kirk, about how we start a conversation and how critically important that is. And one of the things that I'm always working with my clients about is how to grab your emotional – response or re- emotional reaction before you open your mouth because that's when we seem to kind of get into a lot of trouble is something happens I get upset and I just go right and and that's kind of what you're talking about right in this in this very specific mature way of, oh, what's going on? I have a problem. How can I get somebody to help me?
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. The The typical sequence is something will annoy somebody or or concern them, you know, that their spouse is doing, mm-hmm. but they won't say anything right away because they'll either not feel comfortable or they'll try to just let it go. Mm-hmm. But then it, it happens a number of times, and then the spouse, the per, you know, the person finally is just like, I can't take it anymore. I have to say something, you know. And, mm-hmm. it, and it comes out in this unfiltered manner, you know, in this very emotionally reactive manner. That is what you're talking about. And so people... When I work with them and, you know, you work with couples, too, so I'm sure you do the same is you have to notice these things early and (laughs) make and, you know, and make a plan for how you're going to how you're going to open it, because if you just react normally, uh, most of us react dysfunctionally
1: right and i i try to tell my clients you know i i don't aim for perfection because i don't think perfection exists i i aim for like 85 to 90% of the time if you can open up a conversation well then your part then your relationship can absorb that 10 to 15% where it goes off track. You, know, somebody gets caught off guard. Something happens. They can't, you know, they can't grab their emotional reactivity. Maybe they're not feeling well. Maybe they're really tired, and something happens, and they just can't do it. And I think this is really important to practice. But I guess you, you talked about being able to pay attention to it. And so, what are some of the things that people can look for in terms of? Are these behaviors happening? And, by the way, I know everybody out there, can you hear him yelling? I can hear it. Well, I know when my partner's doing this. (laughs) But that's part of the problem is I need to know when I'm doing this. So how do people recognize these behaviors that they're doing?
0: Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I guess – you know, the general uh, sort of lame advice is just to try to be as self-aware as possible. Uh, you know, some extreme measures might be to record your fights and listen back to them, which I've had people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and really, and maybe even ask a friend to listen to the recording and like identify what you're doing wrong because you might not even be able to see it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and... um yeah, it takes practice. Uh, that's why you and I are in business, Leslie. Because <laughs> it, if it just took some simple advice, then we wouldn't. There wouldn't be a a field called couples therapy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It takes a long time, and and depending on, uh, I mean, I, I've seen I've seen people couples come to me who had wonderful childhoods and have uh, you know a ton of empathy for other people. And they still struggle with this because our culture just doesn't talk about this enough. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're a culture of either just talking about, you know, the Disney story or mm-hmm. we're a culture that talks about anger. You know, it's just like you got to you got to like assert yourself. You know, you got to you got to, mm-hmm. you know, speak your mind. You know, you can't be a, a dish rag. you know, and and it's like, you know, it's all good advice under some circumstances, but not me- under this one.
1: Well, and it's one of the things that drives me crazy about even our own profession, where we'll tell people it's okay to fight. In fact, there's something wrong with you if you're not fighting, but fighting involves to me this criticism, this defensiveness, potentially contempt, and and if somebody is really uncomfortable, I mean, I don't know about you, but about half my clients will attempt to avoid conflict at all costs, which my Snappy retort to them is okay. Quit breathing, but you know they, right. you know it's stonewalling. So e- even in our own profession, when we're encouraging people to fight, but fight fair, which of course is what you and I are talking about, and and I just don't like the word fight because I can't put any kind of positive spin on that word. <laughs> you know, it's you know, we're we're telling people, well, it's okay to fight. It's okay to you know, be brutally honest and I tell people you could be you need to be honest but the brutal is a choice and so how do we even you I can't I can't be surprised that people are confused about this yeah it's extremely
0: confusing especially if you've never been in a relationship that had mostly functional communication or you weren't raised in a family that had mostly functional communication yeah we we certainly as an industry have a a general advice to people that they should be honest and speak their mind um i don't say that i i, I say that um there are times when you shouldn't speak your mind <laughs> mm-hmm. because because you, your mind has very dysfunctional things to say. You know,
1: um,
0: <laughs> it, it, if yeah. I spoke my mind all the time, I mean, I, I would be alone and sad, you know. So uh, it, it, it's not a matter of being honest. It's It's a matter of. Um, It's a matter of getting everyone's needs met. You know, you have needs that you want to be met, and your partner has needs that they want met. And how do you communicate in a way that facilitates that? And sometimes that means being honest, and sometimes that means choosing your words very carefully.
1: Mhm. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent of being confused and being curious. You know, help yeah. me understand or you know, I was I was on track until I got here and then you lo- and then I got lost. And you know, because people people really want to be heard and understood. And sometimes because of my experience, I don't understand why this is important to you. And I get that all the time. It's like, well, you know, I don't care about it. So why does this person care about it? It's because they're a different person and they have different, like you're talking about, they have different needs. And again, we don't necessarily do a very good job unless they've done some um, reading about Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs that people don't understand that. Oh, you don't, you don't experience this the way that I do. Oh, how interesting. As opposed to, you don't experience the way I do. What's wrong with you? Right. Yeah, that's that's a
0: fundamental, perhaps one of the final stages of maturity, really, is the, you know, we all grow up knowing that our experience is not necessarily shared by other people. But it is a fundamental paradigm shift that really can help everybody not only in partnerships, but also in like politics and other kinds of things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in terms of like the way I see the world and the way I have experienced the world is really unique to me. And just because I'm confused by, or just because, Uh, I don't understand something that someone else is doing doesn't mean that it's innately hurtful. And, you know, that's what I was talking about earlier. It's like with, with you and and your partner, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, um, uh, you don't do it that way. You know, you don't, you you don't uh, remain quiet and think, and then much later start talking. Um, and, so that just being curious about that, it's like, okay, I have an impulse to to label that as he's being a jerk, but because I've realized that my point of view isn't always the point of view, maybe I should take a more curious point of view and say, like, <laughs> so when you do that, what's going on with you? You know, like, right? Because uh, I want to, I want to. In my head, it seems like you're being hostile, but. I don't know, you tell me, and, and that's a very uh, useful thing to engage in, yeah, for sure.
1: Right, and and I think that maybe a sign, you know, and, and I and I think that something that can help people, and especially now that they have a good definition of what these four things are, is to really take a look at am I doing these or is my partner doing these and how is that impacting our relationship because, you know, I tell people, When I I do my work, I always start with communication. Communication, good communication is not going to be the magic bullet for a happy relationship. But if you can't communicate well, forget the rest of it because we're never going to be able to resolve any kind of our challenges, whether it's intimacy or money or dealing with the kids or the in-laws or, you know, you you name it we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do and it's so easy i mean you know, we don't teach communication 101 in at least no, no place that i know of outside of you in my offices and are there you know it's like you don't you don't get this stuff because yeah. we've been talking since we were you know 12 months old or something and what we there's actually we have to learn how to do this
0: yeah and how wonderful would it be if we did have uh, you know modules in every grade uh, along these lines and and how how much strife we could reduce if if we did such a thing you know uh, I I often uh, rant and <laughs> rave about that
1: Yes, yes, you know, it's one of those things. I I, I I have an imaginary soapbox in my office that I jump up and down on on various occasions, and this happens to be one of the things that gets me crazy. So, I mean, thanks so much for bringing the, you know, explaining the four horsemen, because I talk about them, and I haven't done as good of a job as explaining them as you have. So i questions got a couple of questions for you. It's like, are you like the proverbial frog in the pot of boiling water? Have things in your relationship deteriorated gradually or worse very quickly? And do you recognize any of the signs that we've been talking about? And if you've been listening, you know that the good news is that it probably isn't too late to get your relationship back on track. But that can't happen if you do not take action quickly. So the one question you need to answer is, what's your next step? Hopefully, it's to keep listening to this show. So, until next week, stay loving.